Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello and welcome back to the Ayers in the Sky. I- <laughs> You know, some people are a new listener say, why, why do you call this podcast Hires on the Road? <laughs> and the answer is that it really started way back when we were traveling. How much were we traveling, honey? A lot. We were traveling every other week. We were traveling half of the year. As soon as the kids left, we did fly. We left, which was really um, fun and exciting. And we were... Still, we still had a family, obviously. Those of you who know about emptiness, there's never empty. It's just filling back up again when the kids leave. Well, we were just thinking that this is the 11th year of ours on the road. And many of those early years, we were gone. We were giving as many as 100 speeches a year. And so we were doing this podcast from airports. I think some of the engineers got crazy with us because we'd be walking down a concourse trying to do the podcast or We'd be on a plane hoping the internet would last. Oh, my goodness. So it was called Ayers on the Road. And then a little thing called COVID came along a couple of years (laughs) ago, and it became Ayers in the basement. (laughs) Ayers at home. But now we're back out on the road quite a little bit, and we're kind of excited to be broadcasting or recording today from Mallorca which is an island off Spain, if you don't happen to flash into your mind exactly where that is, which it didn't to me when I first heard we were going to Mallorca. But it is lovely here. And we always feel like some explanation is in order. Why are we here? And the reason is seated right beside us. We're going to tune in the second half of the show and have our son Talmadge join us as a guest. And we Tal lives in Switzerland with his wife and his beautiful daughter. And we, we try to get, we were looking back through our, our, you know, our, our pictures on our phones, which is the best way to remember where you were on a certain date. And we would come almost every year. We had been coming almost every year to Switzerland to see Tal and his family. And then COVID came again, and we've missed a couple of years, so it's been two and a half years since we've been back. But anyway, we were looking at flights to go see Tal, and about that same time, we had an offer come up to spend a week in Mallorca, which is sort of on the way. Kind of. It's only two hours <laughs> on the plane from here. And then we found that Tal could come down and join us here, and this is a lovely island. It really is you know, it's different than a lot of tropical islands in the sense that you're in the Mediterranean, you're in old civilization. You're, you're, there were Romans here, the Roman ruins here in Mallorca. And there's an incredible, um, beautiful cathedral that we spent time at the other day called the Cathedral of Light. Uh, in Palma, which is the capital city of of uh, Mallorca. Yeah, a Catholic uh, general or king actually took over Mallorca and got it back from the Moors or the Arabs who had, the Muslims who had taken it over for many years in about the 13th century. And he was having a tough battle and 
he didn't think he could win, and he prayed to the Virgin Mary, and he said, if you'll get me through this battle alive and help us prevail, I will build you a magnificent cathedral. Boy, did he ever. He did. It's it got was, more flying buttresses on it than it any cathedral so you've ever beautiful. seen. beautiful. And then a couple hundred years later, maybe three or four hundred years later, they per, they persuaded Gaudi to come over from, from Spain and help to do his magic organize it and <laughs> it is just a magical beautiful sacred place so we've had a lot of fun driving around today we actually went to a cave i think it's the most incredible underground they said one of the two or three biggest underground lakes in the world how many stalactites did we see today oh a million million <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was so great, but there was this lovely little lake at the bottom, and we seated there were hundreds and hundreds of people in the, an auditorium all underneath there, and along comes this beautiful boat with a string quartet, and they Playing played a lovely concert. Echoing in the, in the acoustics of this vast underground cavern, so we've had a neat day today. But this is quite an island. I mean, part of it is cliffs. Part of it is high above the ocean looking down into the inlets and seeing the sea crash in. And other parts of it are almost a desert. It's a very varied climate. Yeah, it's really, it's there been a chance. so lovely. And the best part is that we have Talmage with us, or Tal as we call him now. Yeah. But he uh, will have a lot to say in the second half because what we're going to talk about today he is he personifies yeah absolutely so let us kind of leave you with that thinking going on um by the way i just your linda's gonna be mad she'll probably stomp on me move my toes so she can't stomp on me but it's linda's birthday today and we might as well just tell you that and um the kids <laughs> our our kids bless their hearts uh, managed to come up with I better not tell the number, right? Oh, it's okay. I used to be so embarrassed when I turned 40. You had a surprise party for me, and I just hated it. I didn't want anyone to know that I was 40. I just thought it was so awful. Now I'm 75. I'm 75. Can I? It's unbelievable. Oh, gosh. And the kids managed to send 75 little bits, either from grandkids or friends or from themselves, and each one representing a love note to Linda on her 75th birthday. We've fallen into kind of a tradition in the family of poems, writing little poems to each other on our birthdays, and sometimes the poems are funny little rhyming ditties and sometimes they're pretty serious and pretty deep and we we're a little prejudiced obviously but we happen to think we've got some pretty amazing poets in the family and i i think you should read one honey you know just just to give people an idea you know of how poetry can flourish when you're talking about your mother and you love her and so on well, it's how poetry can make you feel better when you're 75. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I can read this even. It's just a couple you think of stanzas you can make it through? without making it through. But this is I've one read of the more serious times, poems so. that came in today <clears throat> from our daughter, Sadie. And Sadie is a poet at heart. She loves poetry. She's introduced me to so much poetry, and, and her poetry just flows. It's amazing. And you should know that Sadie, of all of our children, is, just has this incredible 
sort of feeling and spirit for conception and birth and and the miracle of motherhood. And, you know, she does a lot. She Well, she's a doula. Well, she, she would like to be a doula. Yeah. She's helped a lot of uh, children come into the And that's world. reflected in this poem. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> it's called Pushed into the Light. Emerging from the deep, peaceful darkness of you, pushed, wrinkled, and squished into the light. My tiny fingers, nails pink and curled, wrapping tightly, clinging to the solid surface of your tired finger. Nestling into your warmth, milk and light and safety, comfort in a swirling, bright and blurry, unfamiliar world. Since the moment I grasped in my first gulp of air, you have let me hold tightly to you. Let me cling to your solid and sometimes tired finger. You have been my comfort in this bright and blurry place. Your love rooting me in this swirling world over and over again with a cord connected to your strength. You have pushed me wrinkled and squished into the light. How did you get through wow. that? I'm sitting wow. here choking up just listening to you read it. That is really, that is worth turning 75. Wow, that was really and I wish amazing. we had time to read you some of the grandkids' poems. No, are, no, we're not going that far, no. <laughs> pretty funny in their own way, right? Yes, and Tao dared to sing happy birthday in German to me on a train this morning, <laughs> right. which was really, really brave and courageous. So anyway, with that as an introduction here from Mallorca, we want to delve into the subject of these three-letter lessons once again. And those of you who are longtime listeners have been so nice to comment on these. And let us, we've done 10 of these now. They're little word pegs that we think can symbolize kind of an attitude or a paradigm that's important to try to keep in mind as we live our lives. And and since we've done 10 and we've got 10 to go, we thought we'd take a little intermission and sort of explain once again the theory or the thesis behind these three-letter lessons and so that they'll mean more to you. And you've many of you have missed some of them. You can go back in the podcast if, you, if any of them interest you and you've missed them. You can catch back up. But I thought I'd introduce it this way, Linda. We watched a documentary last week before we left home on PBS that I'll bet some of you saw, Ken Burns' documentary on Benjamin Franklin. And Franklin, of course, was fascinating on so many levels as an inventor, a scientist, a patriot, a politician, a founder of the country, a signer of the Declaration of Independence. And, and astonishing in other ways that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Not maybe the greatest yeah, yeah. husband a, and father. but A man anyway. of many parts. Yeah. But one of the things that's so fascinating about Ben Franklin is that he wanted to form his own character. He decided in his own way, his own very original way of thinking, that most people are really good at planning what they're going to do and planning their actions, planning their goals, planning where, where they, what they want to accomplish, what they want to do, but not very good at planning what they want to be. That's a very interesting distinction right. that we spend so much time in our lives figuring out what to do, but so little time really constructively working on 
who we want to be, what what our character should be. And Franklin was an exception to that. And and some of you remember, if you read his autobiography, he he set up certain words that were qualities he wanted to have. Some were very practical, like being punctual, being self-reliant, um, saving a certain amount of his money and so on. And he would read those through and he'd work on one each week. And he his theory was that he could develop into the kind of person he wanted to be by isolating the characteristics he wanted to have and simply becoming those things. Right. He was kind of a genius. He really was. He figured this out. However, I just don't know if he figured out the importance of relationships as well as he should well, have. Well, yeah, well, you but, can always you know, find things to criticize. but Of course, but, and he, but he was really an, an amazing person because he, he really saved the Republic. I mean, we saved... America, because of his friendship with England and then France. So way back in our early marriage, and we laugh about this a little now, but we we decided to do the same things. And, and we formulated some words that we thought represent the kind of people we wanted to be. And frankly, the kind of parents we wanted to be. And I remember one time, Linda, this was triggered by, by we, we got thinking how, how frequently as parents we say, I want to be a better parent. So I've got to start changing my kids <laughs> instead of instead of changing myself, changing the kind of person I am. So we had words like patience and we had words like Linda had being the eye of the hurricane so that she could go out into the chaos of these kids and remain calm. So in various ways, we started working on our own response, working on our own selves, working on our own personalities and attitudes and character to become better parents and better people rather than trying to change the world around us so much. And, and that led to this idea that we've had more recently, which is saying, well, you know, to really make that work, these little word pegs, these little things you want to be, these little things that remind you of the type of person you want to be, have to be simple. They have to be basic. They have to be little word pegs that you can get in your mind. And when you think of that peg, it recalls to you a way you want to act, a kind of person you want to be. And so we've now gone through 10 of these so far in this sequence. And before we go to a brief break in a minute, some of you will remember them. We talked, number one was about the I E-Y-E, the eye is the window to the soul. Learn to look people in the eye. Don't look at their bodies or their posture or their imperfection. Look at their eyes. Try to see into them. The second one was key, and that was the key is Christ. The key to everything is Christ. And we, we, we elaborated on all 10 of these. And we're now up to number 10, which was last week, and many of you were here, and it was an abbreviation, FAM, F-A-M talking about prioritizing family and so on. We're working on these. They'll become a book at some point. But we, we thought while Talmadge was here with us this week, one of the words, number eight on our list, is the word flow. And we had tied it in together with two of the others. Slow, the idea of slowing down, not being in such a rush, being more observant, and then being getting into the flow of life, and then the third rhyming one of being low, being humble, being nothingness in our attitude. And we were thinking about those as we were driving around today. So after we take a little break, 
We're going to come back and introduce you a little more to Tal, who is a, has a master's, a wonderful master's degree in positive psychology from an Ivy League school, the University of Pennsylvania. And flow is one of the things he studied. Which we've all been rewarded by because he is the master at this. So hang on, and we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back now with the great Talmadge Ayer sitting by us. We love the fact that he's here and all that he's taught us about positive psychology. While we were having lunch today, Tal was telling us about sort of the guru of this word flow. And uh, he has an interesting name. And uh, so, Tal, tell us a little about flow. Well, thanks, first of all, for having me on. This is great. We're spending some time together here and um, in typical mom and dad style, they're doing a podcast. So <laughs> this uh, is what we do for fun. <laughs> so I, I don't think I, I would consider myself the master, which was thrown out there, or we have the master's degree <laughs> in positive psychology. <laughs> but um, but but we were talking about this idea of flow and uh, this guy, um, this uh, um, he's actually American Hungarian uh, psychologist. Uh, his name is Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Whoa! And, uh, <laughs> now that's a handle. <laughs> when you write papers about him, you have to learn how to say his, his name, and you have to go over it a few times. <laughs> but um, he's a, a, an amazing uh, researcher, and he came up with this concept of flow. And what he says is, it's. Um, he says people are happiest when they are in a state of flow, a state of concentration or complete absorption with the activity at hand and the situation. Uh, it is a state in which people are so involved that nothing else seems to matter. The flow state is uh, colloquially known as being in the zone or in the groove. You hear that a lot in it when it's applied to sports. Yes, yes. You know, you're in the zone. She's in a zone. He's in a zone. Exactly, They're really killing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's so cool because it's it's this point of uh, where the challenge is high and the skill level is high. When you get to that point and you're you're just just right at the edge of your abilities, you just lose track of time. And you just, you just love, you're just loving what you're doing. And the hard things appear to be easy because you are so good at them and you're in such a flow. So you'll see Hillary Hahn playing the violin and what you're hearing is unbelievable, but you look at her and it looks easy. She, she, she it's makes it look. Flowing. Oh. She's in a zone. It's like, she doesn't even know where she is accepted in the music. And we've all kind of felt that at some point, I think. But it really is interesting to hear that definition of it. I've never thought of that. That's really the way it feels. Or not to bring up a sore point, Tal, but Michael Jordan was occasionally in the flow, especially when they were playing the jazz. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Michael Jordan and people in their peak form. So, but it doesn't have to be these top athletes or musicians. No, it can no. also be yeah. in our regular lives. I was just trying to think about the last time I felt like I was in the flow and it was 
a couple of weekends ago, I was working on restoring an old, uh, an old, uh, oh, yeah. an old piece of wood that was turning into what's going to be our, our, our bathroom sort of vanity vanity. Yeah. And, and um, it was just, I got sanding and I just got sort of in this flow. And before I knew it, it was a couple hours and I was, it was kind of edging, uh, kind of doing different things with the sides and it turned out to be this great project and I just loved it. And when you're in that flow, you don't, you don't, you're not only aware, you're unaware of time, but you're also not getting tired. You're, you're not, there's, there's no fatigue. Exactly. You're, in fact, you're almost regenerating through yes. that flow. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing. And um, what we tried to do, Tal, in these three-letter lessons, we, the sequence was we, we talked first about slow, just the idea that we live in a world where we're in such a rush and we're, we're hurrying all the time. And I'm, I'm thinking now of the Snoop Dogg commercials where he's telling the guy to slow down. But, but the idea of just take a breath, just walk a little slower, just observe what's around you a little more. And that begins to pull you into a mindset where flow becomes a little bit more possible. And, and we also like the other word that rhymes, another one of the three-letter lessons, of, of low, the idea that flow is, is a humble thing in a way. It's not, it's not like I am the greatest and I can do everything better than anyone else and I'm up here. It's almost like this is a gift. I, I feel this and I don't take credit for it. I, I do it because I love it. I do yes. it because it's a gift. Yes, it's an intrinsic motivator. It's highly correlated with happiness as well, Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in fact, I think you learned a lot about happiness from Marty Seligman uh, <laughs> as you studied because that's what we're all after. We all want it, but we do just get frantic sometimes. I mean, I felt that as a mother. I mean, I have this cute young mother that said one day she drove up and uh, – opened her window and said, I'll have three hamburgers and three fries and, and some a milkshake and so on. And if there was a silence on the other end, and then someone said, ma'am, this is the bank. And <laughs> you're, you're she was bank. just you want to make a deposit. It's just so I've been there, you know, just been so frazzled by everything that needs to be done and kids yelling and so on. It's so hard to get slow and be in the flow, but when you do, it is so beautiful. Yes, I love that, Mom. I just want to say that's exactly in this world of smartphones and all the different apps and social media, it can get us so wound up mentally that this flow is even more important. And part of it might have, I mean, the, the obvious question is, well, how do you get yourself in the flow? And there's a lot of answers to that. I mean, part of it is is slowing down. Part of it is maybe getting away from the gadgets and getting into nature a little more. And, you know, everyone has their own way. A lot of our, several of our daughters really feel they find flow through doing yoga. I, I find I just before we'd been on a hard travel today and I went out and took a little run just before starting this podcast, because you find your own way to get a little slower get a little more in the flow and sort of start feeling a little more natural and a little less forced in some of these things. So 
We're just going to review some of these, Tal, and feel free to slip in when you can. But again, I want to tie it back into where I was at the first, that people who work on who they are and who think in terms of who they want to be at least as much or more as what they want to do are usually very exceptional people. And it's rare in the world to think that way because the world points us toward doing things and accumulating things and having credentials and so on. And you don't, when you're writing up your resume, you usually list things you've done, you know, the schools you've gone to and the things you've accomplished and the promotions you've had and what you've brought to pass and so on. You don't very often because it would just wouldn't seem appropriate to say, let me not talk about what I've done. Let me talk about what I have become. I am <laughs> humble. <laughs> I am proud of my humility. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Wouldn't you know? that be interesting at a dinner party instead of, you know, just chit-chatting and talking about what do you, periphery stuff, what do you do and all that stuff is just, um, who have you become? Who have you How become? do you think you became that way? I mean, yeah. it really would be a different conversation. Yeah, I was going to say that's, that's one of the things I like about what David Brooks talks about. He yeah. says, you have uh, you have resume virtues, and then you have eulogy virtues. Yeah, yeah, good point, oh, good point. Good. And he wants to focus more on the eulogy virtues. And that's such a distinction, isn't it? Because just as we said, nobody puts the things they have become on their resume. They put what they've done. But in the eulogy at the funeral, mm-hmm. no one's saying, hey, let me tell you what this guy did, da 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 and make a list. Instead, they say, this was an honest man. This was a good man. This was a woman who cared about other people. This was a person who was sensitive. And that they're the things that matter most. And the whole idea of this three-letter lessons thing is trying to reduce some of these qualities that we want down into a little word peg, a little one word peg that when you think of it in your mind, you, 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 you reinforce that that's who you are. That's who you are trying to become. And the best, you know, a lot of people do this while they're shaving. Like every day when I shave, I'm going to think through this list of these little words that I want to become or when I'm running or when I'm showering or when I'm driving, I'm going to use that time to think about these words. And so again, just by way of quick review, number one was the eye, learning to see people in their eye. Number two is key, the key is Christ, the key to everything. And these have to be fleshed in. These have to be, we have to think of ideas or times when we when we did that, we, we responded, we became that thing. And then the three we've mentioned today, going a little slower, having this flow that Tal's talking about and remembering this lowness, this nothingness, this humility that that C.S. Lewis said makes the world bigger. If you want the world, if you want to have awe and see the world in its glory, you must make yourself small. And there's just so many beautiful things there. And then we talked last week about FAM, F-A-M, and the importance of family. Other ones that we've covered are the word ask. What a powerful word, the idea that Answers in our world today with Google are a dime a dozen, but a good question, being able to think of the right question is so powerful. We talked about the word yet. I'm not as good a parent as I want to be yet. I'm not financially independent yet. 
so that everything becomes part of this progression and we're getting to what we want to do becomes possible. And the one other one we've talked about is joy. And that's a, a whole sermon in itself. You'll have to go back and listen to it, but we're going to continue with 10 more of these and then we're going to make them available in written form not that you might necessarily adopt them all, because the best word pegs you'll ever come up with are the ones you think of yourself, the things you want to be, not the things Linda wants to be or Tal wants to be or I want to be, but the things you want to be, getting them into a word that becomes a peg in your mind so that whenever you think of that word, it draws you toward that characteristic that you're trying to become. So we'll continue on with them with the other 10. Well, I'd just like to say thanks to Tal because he is our inspiration. I think all the kids would agree that he's the one, the, the go-to guy when they're frantic and don't know what to do or how to calm themselves. We just call Tal because we used to call him Tam the lamb when he was a little baby <laughs> because he was such well, a lamb. But- Tal makes us think. I mean, he was in charge of our last reunion. Right. Some of you know that our, our children rotate being in charge of our big summer reunion. And, and you might want to just say a word about this as we close out, Tal, that uh, the theme was think again And Tal invited all of us for a solid week to rethink some of the conclusions we had about ourselves and about our lives and to constantly re-examine those things. And that ties into flow a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, it was was kind of driven from the book of Adam Grant in the same title, Think Again. And I was really excited about that book and and, uh, my wife, Anita, as well. And we decided that was going to be our theme. So we used a lot of ideas from the book and uh, it generated a lot of really interesting discussions and memorable times. For all ages. Memorable self-examination. So that's a good, that's a perfect segue then to conclude that we invite all of you listening to the podcast today, think again about who you are and who you're becoming. Drop the what you're doing for a few minutes and think about who you are and who you're becoming. And maybe these three-letter lessons will be helpful to you. We wish you the very best on that. And we hope to see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye for now. Bye.